The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And we are The Articulate Coven. Uh, the Articulate Coven is the official fan podcast, or unofficial fan podcast. We're not official, <laughs> we're not official anything. We are, God bless. We are not official at all. Oh, I'm an official mess is what I am. We're the unofficial fan yeah. podcast and uh, fan community for Interview with the Vampire uh, and uh, Anne Rice's Lives of the Mayfair Witches, the Vampire Chronicles overall, as well as specifically AMC and AMC Plus's Immortal Universe, which houses those two series and hopefully many more in the future. We are currently undergoing a rewatch of season one of Interview with the Vampire, and we are here tonight to talk about episode two of season one. If you are new to the series, if you're watching this show for the first time, I'd strongly recommend listening to our original episodes about season one. Because we're going to be talking about this episode and every episode we talk about during this rewatch with with the full knowledge of season one. So don't don't be spoiled. Yes. Go back and and listen to it when we first watched it as well. Ashley, I'm going to do our, our template here when we get started. But uh, first of all, what did you think overall of this episode? Again, I'm having a wonderful time, and everyone should join us if they would like. Um, <laughs> uh, it was to see. We're seeing a different side of Lestat in this episode. We're seeing anger more. And I think part of it is seeing him at, in his true form as a vampire. So at this point, he's able to drop any sort of facade that remains that he's been holding up with Louis. Um, and he's able to show himself as he truly is, strength and, and, and all that. And And I do think we see... A very different side of him, obviously, too. We're, we know we're seeing this through possibly <laughs> very, very unreliable eyes. Um, but we, we see his anger. We see his, uh, the you know, the way he can be very biting and the way he can be um, cruel a little bit. We're seeing some of that in, in this episode. And it's such a it's such a difference from the seductive seducing Lestat in the first episode um and it just that juxtaposition really struck me a lot more this time around so there was a new trailer that dropped for season two in between our last recording and this one dang y'all uh it, it, it's a great trailer although i will say that's probably the last trailer that i'm gonna watch i think because as we go further I think they can't help but begin to reveal. I mean, if you're looking for new footage, if you're going to cut something different at this point, you're going to start revealing things that I, I'd rather see in sequence. Oh, yeah. But I will say there's a moment in that trailer where Louis calls out to Daniel in the modern day setting. They're at a table seemingly in Dubai. And he says, I don't remember any of this. Yes. Boy, I will boy, say oh strongly that, that that moment just as you were just saying, colored my rewatch of this episode even more so than the first episode. We already know there's that possibility hanging out there. And I mentioned it last week. Is this what Armand is telling Louis happened? Is this what Armand told Louis Lestat said, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I do wonder, and I wondered a lot this week, how much are all three of these people potentially being manipulated uh, and and who is actually pulling the strings. Right. So this episode is After the Phantoms of Your Former Self, directed by Alan Taylor, written by Jonathan uh, Chinacheros. Mm, boy, I probably butchered that one. Anne Rice and David B. Harris. Those are the three credited writers. The handsome Rashid schools Daniel on art history and then serves dinner, seven <laughs> courses plus, as Louis finally rejoins Daniel and the telling of the tale itself. Lestat is an impatient and imperfect teacher for the newborn Louis. They stumble through Louis' mortal death and his first kill as a vampire. Lestat doesn't even explain the sun to Louis before he's burnt badly. While Louis complains about his teacher... He toys with Daniel in the modern day, eating live animals and then a willing human at the table. Louis finds his familial and work life even more complicated in the past, now after the phantoms of his former self have fled. Um, and there's our title uh, working its way into my little description. I'm going to try to just, there you go. I'm trying to be a little artful there in my No, I love in. it. Well done. Here's my question right off the top. I love the seeing the Marius painting. 
Oh yeah, that room is not of 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 uh of Louis's doing. Like every bit of that space is 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 definitely not Louis's decor style. <laughs> so I I felt that way too. Although uh, one of our fans on Facebook mentioned the other day, and forgive me, I don't remember now who, and I, I didn't write this down as a note, but somebody mentioned that in the books. Armand's locales, you know, whenever he sets himself up a space, it's always soft fabrics, lush furnishing, furnishings, uh, you know, overfilled, overstuffed almost with things to lay upon and look at and, you know, lushness generally right. is what Armand surrounds himself with. Meanwhile, Louis lives in shacks without any lights on and, you know, sits by candlelight and, and reads, reads through a giant <laughs> stack of books, etc. Like, at the end of the interview with the vampire film, the one made in the 90s, the, uh, you know, you see Lestat in a shack in New Orleans uh, that's sort of like run down. But realistically, it's Louis who lives in places like that at several right. different times in the book. Right, absolutely. So I don't I don't know anymore exactly who well, and did I, the decor the line, here. The line that are, are that, uh, Rashid Armand says when he says he serves a god I, I he's I mean obviously we know he's not serving we're not talking about Louis we, we can't, can't be talking be. about Louis we right can't, I mean uh, unless that is literally the like the barest the the simplest straightforward play would be if Rashid is if Armand as Rashid is literally pretending I, as a normal human, am so lowly, even Louis is a god. But, like, I just, again, you asked uh, a couple of episodes ago, are we going to see cheats here, or are they have going to play it straightforward? Right. And to me, unless they explain it in some fashion by, again... That feels like a cheat! Something we've speculated. Like, are... are are there some very special guests downstairs which are right, causing exactly. the groaning, for instance? If that's right. the case, and that's where we get to eventually, and Armand, for some reason, is now in charge of them, or at least they're living in his building, well, okay, that would make sense for this line. But basically, anything short of that, I'm genuinely going to call this a cheat. That line doesn't make sense to me coming from the Armand that I know. And That's so, why I feel if, like it has to yeah. be it has to be legit. Because I just don't think they would cheat. I just so don't think why they would the cheat. ruse? That's my big question. Why the ruse? Why at this moment does Armand want Daniel around? Or let's assume for a moment that Louis actually has some free will and that he wants Daniel around at this moment. Why is Armand allowing it? That's my or first they, question. Are they and, are they using are they using Daniel to try to get someone else's attention? Okay, so but see that would be that would be the answer to my question. Like why why now? Why is this happening now? First of all, right. And second of all, why doesn't he want Daniel to know that he's a vampire too? I mean, clearly, whatever. Well, I don't mind think he wants to show his play, cards yet. I mean, yeah, maybe, but like. He waits so long to allow that reveal to happen. Like, I, I just, I want, what is he playing at? What is the point? And if it's not Armand that's playing, who is playing the fiddle here? That's my my big question. Um, right, mine too. So, but that that leads into the, the, the scene where they talk about the groan. I already mentioned it. There's no way that that sound that Daniel hears is just the building swaying. No one would I pay agree. the exorbitant prices for the penthouse if it also came with an eternal creepy groan. Yeah, right? 100%. Like, what is that bullshit? That is like a real bad design flaw. I mean, so, obviously, you know there so, has to be some give and take with buildings of that size in design and things like that. But yeah, there's no way you're paying that amount of money and living in a place that creaks like a damn old haunted mansion. <laughs> so my question is, uh, Armand has a Marius painting. Perhaps, yes, he does. Perhaps he has some other things that used to belong to Marius. Perhaps he might have some things that belong to Marius. Now, this begs the question, are we... Uh, I just don't think you can do that. My fear immediately was, are we about to... Thinking of the groan and what could possibly be living under the stairs, uh, <laughs> not, it, not presenting Marius as a character at all. It would be really hard to do the vampire Lestat without Marius, I think. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think you Unless can. Armand and is also, filling that character role. Well, you so, know, in a, in I mean, that's sort of possible. Way. I suppose. I got to tell you, if they, if they, I'll do hate that, it. I'll yeah, be I'm so re- mad. I'm, I'm really going to be disappointed. But here's the other thing too that that does is it. First of all, it would almost inherently mean that we have to make Armand older than he is in the books, and like quite right. a bit older. Right. But oh also, yeah. Also, I mean, unless. I mean, I, I suppose Marius could exist, but only in the past, right? Like Marius has right. already died for whatever reason. My speculation, based on that train of thinking, is that it's not Marius in charge anymore, and that someone else has already awoken. And and the god that they serve is very specifically Akasha. Right. And that she's calling the shots and wants Daniel back out, and that it's akasha that is trying to coax lestat Lestat out out. of of hiding wherever he might be not armand and daniel which okay in that in if that is the way that it plays out first and foremost it means that we can jump both getting into the vampire lestat novel you know heavily but also we can do queen of the damned at the same time or some of it anyway which will be exciting but it would also mean that we're going to get not only like the turn, the reveal of that, but then also we have the opportunity to set up a real like babyface turn for Armand. If if it seems as if all this time he's been pulling strings and you know manipulating Louis or controlling Louis and or controlling Lestat, but it turns out he himself is being controlled and in fact ends up as part of the revolution, you know, against her. I like that's that's a way to make him. No matter what he's done in the past and all these things that we see, you know, even as a TV viewer, you can go, oh, I'm on, you know, I'm fine. He's one of the good guys now. Because oh, yeah. Look, we can we've excuse got a, much a lot of bad. bullshit from our vampires. Like, they've all been assholes. They've all done some creepy shit. <laughs> but well, I mean, and it's like, you know, the Punisher looks bad until Thanos shows up and then you, the Punisher is on your team, <laughs> right? You know? Right. Absolutely. Um, so, Louis. As soon as he's turned, let's go back to the uh, the schooling here. There's the scene in the in the graveyard, the cemetery where they're, um, you know, sort of disposing of the priest, <laughs> disposing of the priest, but also disposing of Louis's mortal body. Um, and then right after that, we go into downtown New Orleans. First of all, I love the way, and it happens the first time you see it in the episode is when Louis looks up at the statue in the cemetery, which is a direct, uh, I think, call out towards the 90s the interview with the vampire movie. Well, no, remember there's the scene like- in the graveyard where the the statue moves. Where Louis sees oh, the yes, statue yes. move once he becomes like, a vampire. I feel like that's in the book as well. Yeah, like, I think they do of... talk about uh, statues almost seem to come to life or something like that. Yeah, he talks about the the vibrancy with which he sees the living world, which yes. it makes sense if you think. And I don't think Anne was thinking about this, but you you think about what we know now about like the nature of things and like literally there are no solid surfaces. It's all just vibrating molecules and atoms. Right. So like, right. The vampires sort of see that at some level, I think, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Seeing beyond like the, you know, our, our visual spectrum, which I think is just incredible to see like the idea of seeing different layers and even seeing like heat and coolness. And I, I love the idea of that. I think they did such a great job. And of course, like also, um, them walking into into New or- you know into New Orleans proper out of the cemetery. We go from a really dark, dark place to this very light, vibrant, very alive spot, and it's just really cool to see Louis take all that in. And he is having a pretty decent time there at first, ha- being a vampire. You know, he's like, oh, this is kind of kind of badass and incredible, and learning how to hear people's thoughts and things like that like he's having he's having a fun little adventure but then then every time he starts to get kind of comfortable with it or 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 really sort of more embrace it he does something not quite proper and Lestat kind of slaps him back like like he's you know like he's a petulant child like oh you've done wrong you've done wrong like he's scolding him and and I just I love we talked about we talk about how much the changes they've made to Louis's character just gives him so much more richness and depth. And that's another thing you see as he changes and becomes a vampire. We talked last episode about how we don't think he would necessarily be in the business he is in without the circumstances he's dealing with. 
But then once he turns and he's a vampire, he's like, I'm about to own this shit. You know what I mean? And he really embraces his power. He sees himself as more powerful than he's been able to see himself as a black man, as a queer man, as a Creole. And it's just really, I think that's a really powerful, powerful switch for Louis that we wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, we were just talking about the idea of like, a bigger bad making a, a lesser villain seem like a hero. I think the same thing is true for Louis, right? Like the the sins that he's committing as a mortal man, stealing and and uh, debauchery and the the brothels and the gambling and all the things, they pale in comparison to the continual taking of human life, though, right? So, like, I think that's what it comes down to. He starts. He's he's a vampire now. He's taking life on a regular basis. He's, so the dice games don't bother him so much. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I, I think that it, I think it kind of puts him in a position where he sees an opportunity that might exceed race, the limitations mm. that have been put on him and the societal limitations. You know, you see this possibility of, of this, this power, this, literal and figurative power where you've got now you've got I mean you've got money you've got someone to help you spend it in the smart way you've got you're working with someone who Lestat's been doing this for centuries he's really good at hoarding the gold and creating more money you know they're all really good at that and I just think he's kind of he does get a little drunk on the power you know when they have their their fight and Lestat's like how can I make it up to you and Louis is like buy me the club <laughs> you know and and i think it just he sees an opportunity for for a, a a different existence but then because of the facade he has to put up he keeps running into that wall again oh we can i can go to the opera with my boyfriend oh wait i have to sit behind him because i'm black i have to be his valet you know like uh, just like every time he he starts to make a move. Somebody makes him feel like old Louis again. So I discovered in this, speaking of that opera, by the way, I discovered in this episode why I love Lestat quite so much. He and I are both pretty fucking terrible at planning a date to say I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> this dude, this dude takes Louis to an opera, which we've already established. Like Louis likes the opera. He's He lies to his mother and sister about that. But he d- he is not a native of the opera in the same no. way that Lestat is. But he takes him to an opera where Louis literally has to pretend to be a servant and hide himself when the very thing that Louis wants to do is to not hide himself. Be fucking you know? seen. He wants yeah. to be fucking seen. Which, speaking seen. of, go way back to the beginning of the episode. So they leave the graveyard. They go to they, they come into New Orleans proper, and they're beginning to hunt that first time. Louis, now turned, is wearing one of Lestat's coats. In the yes. first episode, he always dressed himself. Here, I do not think this is an accident. I mean, obviously, in the in the moment, his clothes were bloody. They might have right. needed, you know, he probably just grabbed something, et cetera, et cetera. It makes sense, too, in as a plot point. But I think it's it's like, I think this is telling us something. Louis is, in this phase, for these years that we see in this episode, he is clothing himself for Lestat. He has tried to leave the old Louis behind. He's like, boy, the old Louis was a lie, so I won't do that. And just as we discussed last week, like, who is Louis? Right. All other things aside. Right now, he's in his Lestat phase. And he imitates Lestat in the ways that he can, I think is what's basically happening here. The coat is a symbol of that. I think the glasses are a symbol of that. You mm-hmm. know, he continues to have this relationship with his family or attempts to, although he's piss poor at that too, by the way. He goes, you know, months and months and, and years, I think, in the end between right. seeing five, them. Five years, I think, it's passed. Yeah. when, she, when And then we have to, to wonder if he's going to eat the fucking baby. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. I was, there's a great line. Lestat's talking about the opera and Louis goes, I, I almost ate my nephew, Lestat. Right. He's like, Jesus Christ, man, you are not listening to me. This messed me up. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, speaking of, speaking of relationship advice from Lestat, I, that's a, that's a book we ought to write. Um, 
<laughs> you are a library of confusion. Maybe oh. I'd have to say it in a French accent. I don't know. But I'm going to start using that when I'm in an argument with my, with my wife. It sounds so much better than something like, you know, well, that doesn't make any sense. Or you're not being logical. <laughs> don't be surprised if she throws something at you. <laughs> you a are book, a library probably. of confusion. She's fucking, here's a book, you moron. <laughs> yeah, they fight really well. I, I like that. You know, because they do. They they drive each other crazy. It's They have a, a, it's not a healthy relationship. But I'm really happy that <laughs> that we get to see all facets of it, you know. Although I'm sure, like we've discussed, it's amped up for our, you know, viewing pleasure. Okay, so I've got a nit to pick here. And I'm okay. going to try to do this when we can through this series. We have shit-talked the Mayfair <laughs> witches quite a bit. <laughs> and we've, you know slobbered on this series quite a bit well look we can't i do not understand how they make the mistake of having lestat speak into louis head early in the episode and then two scenes later specifically making it a plot point for this universe that master and fledgling can't speak to each other Uh, with their minds i come back to pick your knit because i see a difference okay because 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 sending him like one is he can't read his mind so he but they can get, still speak telepathically telep- like force yeah. a message yeah that's <laughs> what i think that's how i took it that like we can talk like this back and forth but the problem is is i'll never know what's behind that thought i don't get to go deep into your brain i don't get to see the visions i don't get to see to see the things I can see from other people, I only get, we can only send words back and forth. Yeah, it, it, that's very charitable. Do you remember? Do they do it again <laughs> in the rest of the season? I, I don't, don't know. Do. I don't remember. I, I don't believe they do. I don't but believe I had they the ever same speak thought. to each other again in their heads. I had the same thought about that when it happened. And I was like, and I remember the first the first viewing, I had that same thought. And I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I came up with a whole brilliant idea of why it was okay to me. So I, th- I think in our first watch, we even talked about they could have, and I, and I wish they would have made it more obviously something like this. The vampires can speak at a tone and volume right, that is that's completely true too. inaudible for other for humans. And yet, you know, from across a room, Armand does it for Louis in the theater at some point, I think in the book where he literally, right. he, not in his head, but he says it out loud, but only Louis can hear, you know, Louis and Claudia can hear it. Anyway, I, I don't know. In the books, Louis's, you know, telepathic abilities are all but non-existent anyway yeah they're really pretty man most of his but i i don't know do we does he ever really explore the extent of his powers yeah he doesn't try it's just like in the in the later novels you know as different things happen louis probably capable of flight eventually but he would never try it right yeah so because he's got all that he's got tons of old ass blood in him i mean that's the thing is that you know i mean armand drank from Marius who drank from Akasha. So, I mean, you're talking about, and then. Yeah. He got Akasha secondhand at least <laughs> twice. And you're then, six you degrees know. away from Akasha. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he genu- genuinely, Louis should be at least as strong as a child of the millennia in the, in the novels anyway. Yeah. And he just kind of half asses along as a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I just, that scene bothers me, and I've never seen Rollin or anybody address it. And it's it's one of those things. And we'll have to watch. We'll watch for that in the rest of the season. If they make if they make it clear that a projected message is still available to them, but they can't actually read each other's thoughts, that I suppose that is a slightly different. It's thing. a total cheat, though. It's a total yes. cheat. I mean, well, that I is mean, a cheat. Like Marius couldn't call to Pandora. Well, okay. So Louis says in this episode that he could go out on the balcony and hear the schemings of vampires from around the world. And we do know in the books that that telepathic messages echo, right? They, you you can hear them, you know, you can hear the hubbub from other vampires when right. they hear a message, even if you can't hear the message directly. Absolutely, so right, if, right. If, you if your that, maker like, is calling, you might not be able to hear it, but you can hear everybody else hearing it and reacting yeah. to it. It's like getting hotboxed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there was a third vampire in the room, I, you could say that it echoed off of him or something, I guess. Anyway, I wish, Rollin, I know you're a big fan. You listen to this, I'm sure, right? So totally. So go ahead and, and email us in and tell us what happened there. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> as bad a teacher as Lestat is, he does tell, I mean, he literally lets him burn himself earlier. Like you, uh, the first thing you learn <laughs> as a parent is not to shake move. the baby. And the second thing is turn the pots, you know, handle the other in way. so you don't flip them over onto the baby's head. <laughs> and yet here he is letting the dude run out in the sun and burn himself. So as bad a teacher as he is, though, he tells Louis plainly that he can't keep seeing his family. Like he tells right. him, and he doesn't come out and say, I too fucked with my family after I was made a vampire. <laughs> and it was a really bad idea. And, you know, my, my father hated me all the way to death. And, it, I, you know, I turned my mother into a vampire and it, it sucked. She kind of hates me too. She's off in the jungle somewhere. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we'll we see don't her know. in the future. We don't know. Anyway, we may talk about her later. He doesn't but say we any not. of that. No. But he does at least tell him, like, hey, this isn't going to work. And he tells him later with the business, vampire business and human business, it's not going to yeah, mix Yeah, not well. to mix. Well, and I mean, that's the thing is he, he, I mean, he does have knowledge. He's been doing this a while. And I do think that that's something that, and that he stresses in the vampire Lestat, like when he's telling his version of the story, he's like, no, I wasn't that shitty of a teacher. Lest we all forget how shitty my, my maker was, <laughs> who just was like, here's some gold. Bye. You know, I'll and, be throwing up my deuces. <laughs> right. I'm out. So, and he kind of, I think he sort of takes that personally, almost. That's kind of a vibe. I always felt like he's like, this asshole makes it seem like I was just, hateful and we know that he wasn't because we know how much he loves how much he loves louis i mean that doesn't preclude shitty behavior and being hateful by any stretch of the imagination but i just you know again (sighs) armand's fucking with us hardcore joel i strongly agree it's like we said last week right like listat is not a good ally but also, I do think his heart's in the right place. Like you, you can see it in this episode. He doesn't know how to teach Louis. Man, it's like <laughs> I don't know about you, Ashley, but I've done a lot of healing personally <laughs> in the last ten years or so as I begin <laughs> to process who my parents are and how yeah. they did the best they could. Right? Like they're not perfect, and my father, especially, there are a ton of things that I wish that he had done differently with us when we were young. But like he did the absolute best job that he could have with the tools that he had available to himself. Right. And and I'm hoping <laughs> 30 <laughs> years from now, my kids will judge me with that same amount of grace. But yeah. like, that's the thing that I'm trying to give Lestat here. Although I will say this rewatch has reminded me this is absolutely Louis' story so far right. anyway, not Lestat's. And Lestat is not nearly as well drawn in this series as Louis is. Jacob Anderson's performance is great. Sam Reed is amazing. But on the page, Sam Reed has a lot less to work with than Louis does. And you and I, and I think most of our listeners, are filling in the blanks because right. we know what's to come and we know so much about this character. Well, and when we do generally. get those... When we do get those like softer, more genuine moments, he just kills it, you know? And even when the moments are like, ugh, I guess, you know, and you know he's like, he's like agreeing and he knows he's wrong, but he's still acting like he wasn't really wrong. You know, I know best, but okay, I see your point kind of thing. He's just so fucking perfect. Like, (laughs) like, he's, even when he's a shit. This casting job was just so well done. And I mean, good God, get into we, that coffin, sir. You're right, you're right. <laughs> we get another butt shot, by the way. I'd, I was thinking it was nudity early and then late. Oh, by the way, isn't, there's not, there's, it's not just Sam Reed's uh, naked ass. There, there's like four titties in this episode, too, that I had totally missed the first time. <laughs> I missed the titties this time. I was almost keeping up because I was like, sometimes I like to keep things, I like have like a, a show that I've watched before on in the background with headphones in while I'm doing something monotonous at work, you know? Absolutely. And this is, you like, you got to be real careful with this show. I, we talked about it on the Facebook group, like y- headphones in and all, like somebody might come over and catch a titty or two anytime. <laughs> yeah, some boobs and some buttocks. All not over. safe it's for not- work. This is not first season Game of Thrones level of like oh you know, god sex, no sex position, but also there's no sibling fucking yet. So yeah, you know, thumbs yes. up on that. 
Yes, they they do though. I noticed very early on they're driving through to collect the money from the the henchman at the brothel. And oh my god, and he's like I fucking money. that woman in the doorway. Yeah, and she's flashing him a boob. I love it. And then again, when um when Louis buys the brothel, uh, there's a pan shot of like all of the people working for him and things going well. And there's two or three boobs in the background in that scene too. As okay, I missed around. I missed that. I missed the doorway titty because yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, the eye fucking that's happening. <laughs> this is so br- brilliant. The guy is in the background just murdering the scene. But I love, though, that, I mean, and they talk about it explicitly in this episode, you know, uh, Louise explaining the differences between the, the, the ocean that exists between who he is as a person and who Lestat is. And he goes, you know, queer. Half queer, half queer, sort of queer, mostly queer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't he know. Non discriminating, you know. <laughs> yes. But I love though that they are already calling that out. Louis' eye is always for the handsome man in the room, and it generally makes Lestat jealous. But Lestat also has a wandering eye, and there is a thing that Lestat genuinely craves in companionship that. That Louis doesn't offer, and it's not you know just the the private parts, but there is something about femininity Absolutely. that he does not get from this relationship that he genuinely craves. So like again, already here in the beginning, even while Lestat's doing his best, you know, to to play the good partner, the cracks are showing. Is, is right. My point. Well, he's all all the time getting entangled with a, a human woman, all the time. Like he has so many entanglements. As the youth He's got say, mommy issues, y'all. There's He's got no, real no mommy issues. Fucking, but there's some real mommy issues in this. There's show some real mommy issues. The and then he, man, he loves like a, a nun. If he can find a nun, he'll he'll really like a nun sometimes, or just like a really. But see, I think like self-serving, like not like a serve a service-oriented women. Yes, well, but they are. I think they are all what he saw in his mother. It, who his mother is now as a vampire is very different than who yes. she was in life for him, right? And I think he, in the Gretchen, uh, for instance, in uh, yeah, Tale of the Body Thief. So curious. I think that is absolutely a a uh, stand-in for his mother in life. Also, there it's not always young women right like Gretchen in particular I think is in her 40s right 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 yeah I I think they're I think that's I think a lot of this is is Lestat working out his mommy issues we're we're (laughs) way off track now though because we are we are it's just a little it's just a little eye fucking in this episode there's no mommy issues. just a little eye fucking no 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 mommy issues he does he does like a pretty lady though he really does and I don't blame him don't we all (laughs) your boy ain't that the truth here's the thing that I, I wanted to get to though in the final scene with the dessert so Daniel oh. and Louis, which by the way, now again, let's, before we get there though, let's do talk about the framing of this dinner. As we talked about in the beginning, like who's actually pulling the strings here? Who is making, who, who is doing this pantomime play for Daniel? Or if it's not for Daniel, like who is it for? Um, the dinner is so fucking weird and cruel. It's the weirdest fucking dinner party ever. Like, like what the fuck? He'll be here around round seven. Here's all these guys in masks and gloves. And I know we've talked about, it, like, this came out during COVID times. So, like, that kind of makes sense. But the more I think about it now, I catch myself really trying to get into those guys and, like, see their eyes. Like, are these fucking vampires? Are these all vampires? Is this the farm that they're talking about? Is it vampiric blood he's drinking? Do they have a farm of hot young men that come up here in masks and just get sucked off for lack of a better phrase occasionally by him like what is happening in this building that's it i don't feel confident in anyone's uh you know mortal or undead uh, right status in this in this penthouse um Okay, in the final scene, though, the dessert scene, they're eating the ice cream, and Daniel asks him, what does it taste like? And and Louis says, you know, like chalk, like nothing, chalk. like everything that I eat of human food. And yet he does it on a regular basis to maintain the thread. The thread, um, yeah. I love that. And then Daniel exposes a little bit, because the dessert they're eating was mentioned in one of his memoirs. And so he tells a story about his first wife, and he... And I had missed this part of the first watching. He had just proposed to her, and and this story happens in his life 
right after he got his shit together, is what right. he says. Which means right after I got off the junk, right? Right. Which means right after I got away from you from guys. Armand and Louis. <laughs> and he just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing that occurred to me today. So I do wonder, it's like, were Armand and Louis there? Like, does Louis know? Did he see this scene from afar? You know, as they did, they have watched? something to do with her. Yes, like it did was. They sent her to him. Fuck. She? Yeah, all I of that. Like, ah, what's everybody but, doing? But at the same time, the sharing there between the two of them, to me, felt like the first genuine moment between the two of yes, them. Yes, and it's intimate. Up until this point, Daniel has had his thorns out. And has been throwing barbs and has had his guard up. You know, really, I think part of him was convinced that he, they had brought him there to kill him. You know, to eat him. For whatever reason, they right. were going to toy with him first and then they were going to kill him. And I think at this point, he's decided they're not. He still doesn't know what the hell he's there for, probably. Well, it's, but, it's weirdly intimate, too, because yes. he reveals this, this dessert, but he doesn't tell that story in his memoir. Like, you can tell no. that's not a story he's told about her, about what she looks like, the fact that she dyed her eyebrow. The eyebrow. And that he liked it best when she left it alone. Th- oh. That, to me, is such a... I mean, and look, maybe maybe, maybe that's a work, too. Maybe that's all... Maybe maybe Daniel knows something about all of this and is, and is playing with Louis there, too. But it didn't feel like it. It felt like such an intimate admission. The kind of thing that... You know, you literally only say to someone who you really love when you're sharing a moment, a broken moment, a forgotten moment, a right. lost moment, a regret. You know, whatever. Like yeah, a real, a true, in your soul regret. Something you just wish, like you can tell there's this yearning there. Something he wishes he had done differently. It it mirrors the moment earlier with Lestat at the opera where he, you know, he's done this terrible, he's taken Louis on this horrible date. And yet, oh, he God, too... That's- has such a moment where he says, there's one thing I fear most as a vampire, it's loneliness. Well, and, and he they, holds uh, Louis' hand, you know, touches this, Louis' hand. Yes, and even within that scene is that they're in the box and they're watching the opera and before they start revealing how terrible the tenor is. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so good. When Louis how is much, enraptured by Lestat, how much yes, Lestat enjoys music. Yeah, yes, because like when you love someone... You love watching them love what they love. You know, like that's that's something so cool to experience. Like you go with the person you love to see their favorite band and like to watch them watch their favorite band is just the coolest shit. You know, like it's just it fills your heart up with love and 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 intimacy in a really cool way that can be in a a room or a stadium full of people. And I love that they caught that so well for me yeah i'll say that opera scene very much uh holds though both the good and the bad oh, of yeah. that <laughs> because yeah. you know my wife will absolutely get a little misty-eyed when she sees me respond to you know a great work of cinema or uh i go see a new star wars movie and i'm really gushing and jumping about oh my god can you believe luke skywalker did this you can see boy i love that childlike wonder I went on a little rant the other day about Paul Muadib from Dune, and she did not get that childlike wonder glow about her. Actually, it was more like tin can rattling with a with a rock in it, Joel. You got to knock that shit off, please. <laughs> Take that Dune bullshit somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, the 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 hoot, the quitsack, what a rack. Yeah, I don't think so. Thank you very much, actually. Uh, no, <laughs> she does, she did she did like the Dune movie, but she did not care for my in depth explanation of the 10,000 years worth of geopolitics uh, for that universe. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know. people and don't like it when I go off on Clone Wars either. You're right. <laughs> Let Attack me tell you of the about clones, rather. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, like here, Louis is enraptured by how much Lestat loves music, and then he is disgusted by how passionate Lestat is about the, the butchering of this music, and that he's gonna, <laughs> you know, he says at one point, he says something like, um, you know, you murder this man for what? For a few missed notes? No, he's murdering him because he's going to eat him and he's going to eat somebody tonight. So it might as well be this terrible tenor, right? Like I do love... Well, like spare everyone moment. else from having to listen to this <laughs> man. My God. I just... But I, I mean, like <laughs> Louis is just self-deluding though. Like he's willing to... 
like I mean, he's already murdered lots of people at this point, and yet he's chiding Lestat for murdering this guy. And I'm like, okay, so maybe well, don't toy his problem's with him. more that Lestat plays with his food. Yes, That's yeah, more- <laughs> and later that, but he's already in a pissy mood when he hasn't started playing with him yet. Is my thing is like, well, no, we were gonna eat tonight, babe. Like, are you mad that I had a burger? I eat burger. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. You didn't marry a vegetarian. I'm vegan except for when I have steak. And that's why I do I do feel a stat when he says there, I don't say that you have to enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that. Well, and it's like like the way he's so ooh, the way he gets so like angry quickly. It's very scary. Um and it's so uh it makes it less out of nowhere when they actually get into physical fights later on. And we're like, we were this viewing, I having that awareness in my mind about how tough some of those scenes are that are coming up. um, It's a little like, I'm like, okay, they actually did build into this pretty fairly. And that's good to to have seen that escalation. Um, Well, in Louie, it occurred to me in this episode, Louie throws the first punch, so to speak, in that the very first time they're ever actually violent in their relationship is Louie throwing Lestat into the door. Into the wall, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, throws him into the wall when he leaves to go get burnt. I totally caught that. On that note, I might, if I was Lestat, if I hadn't told him at that point, I'm definitely not hollering out, no, no, the sun, after you've thrown me into the wall. All right, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can go get a burner, too. Enjoy that tan. Mm-hmm. You're going to be fine tomorrow. Calm down. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, anyway, I, I am thoroughly enjoying watching this relationship unfold again, knowing everywhere that it goes and uh, allowing us to speculate truly on what is waiting behind those doors in the penthouse that we haven't opened yet. Yeah. Well, and, and, and just the anticipation of things that are going to come up that are going to happen. Like I am, I, the anticipation I have of, of upcoming things is just bubbling. <laughs> like I am so pumped. Like Claudia, we, we've not even gotten there yet. And then I just like when she tries to run off in that scene in the railway car, like I just keep having little flashes <laughs> of those kinds of moments in my head where I'm like, oh, shit, things are going to get so crazy. And I'm so happy that they go there. I'm so happy that they haven't shied away from like, I mean, I guess if you aren't savvy, like you could watch this and this could be pretty over the top and kind of wild but it's it's so like the commitment to the world is so great and so satisfying as a reader like even we you know we talk about changes and things like that and how it's kind of hampered Mayfair but hasn't really I mean it's done nothing but improve interview and I just oh high hopes for the second season kids strongly strongly agree before you come back and hear us next week by the way uh go ahead and do your rewatch if you want to of episode three of season one is my very nature that of the devil i'm gonna give you a little spoiler uh warning here our our boys get some strange i don't know how else to put it (laughs) (laughs) you know what they got some strange here we go (laughs) Let's see how that goes. They're both such even keel, uh, you know, <laughs> very jealousy is never a problem with these They're two. very <laughs> rational. And I feel like the kind of people that should be involved in a thruple. Oh, they're really made for an open relationship. Yeah, they are. Think? Yeah, these, absolutely. These gentlemen do not need to be polyamorous. <laughs> they do not understand the rules that are involved there. It's like aggressive monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> murderous monogamy but not you not you other people but not you except for the one time i killed you and turned you into a vampire of course of course (laughs) of course of course one of my favorite lines of the whole (laughs) season coming next week yeah uh well they hit one of mine tonight with the uh when he when he says to louis i don't say you have to enjoy it That's I don't my, say I you just, have to enjoy it. I love I, it. It's like, I'm not saying you have to play with your fucking food, but if you don't like this, you can go out in the garden and eat some rats, bro. Like, I'm going to well, have I mean, fun with the shitty tinner. 
I personally, one of my my tenets is don't don't yuck somebody's yum. I mean, right. that's all Lestat's asking right there. He's like, look, look, asshole. <laughs> look, I'm just having fun. I mean, is it is he torturing the poor guy? Absolutely. Is it absolutely fucking horrifying? And if I read about a serial killer doing it, would I tell everyone I know about how fucked up it is? One hundred percent. But it's a fucking vampire, so say la vie. <laughs> say la vie, indeed. All right. Until <laughs> until we come back next week, uh, that is going to wrap us up for this one. Uh, we'll continue our rewatch with episode three. And uh, thanks everybody for the great feedback. Uh, I did have uh, one update. Uh, we mentioned last week in our novel oh, yes! discussion of the Vampire Armand. I had asked about the iconography, and I will just say nobody had a specific answer for me on that in the Facebook that I saw. But I did see one response that I thought was interesting. What if the Muslim faith, the Islamic faith, is literally part of the Rashid character? What right. if our Armand is not? a muslim but rashid is it's we're gonna how meet he rashid in season two right and that's, that's also there. how how armand might be hiding in dubai if he has to be out doing business but another thing i thought too is that at one point so uh, i'm sorry i know we're wrapping up but i just thought of this and i don't want to forget it. yeah um when uh louis is having his uh man meal and the dude's <laughs> talking to um to Daniel and then he wanders off and then passes out in the hallway. Louis calls for Rashid and I wonder, is it real Rashid or Armand Rashid that he called for? Oh man, I didn't even think about it. So I immediately thought there's a um okay, in the in the uh in Marvel's Echo, the series that just came out recently. Oh yeah. There is an amazing scene where Kingpin sitting at dinner with Maya, the main character of the Echo show is deaf. He's sitting at dinner with with uh, Echo. Her back is, you know, turned to the front door of the apartment. Kingpin dismisses the interpreter that has been signing for him to Maya. And as she goes to leave the apartment, she's murdered in the front of the room because Maya can't hear the gunshot. It happens behind her. And so, oh. it, it, like, literally, it's like steps away and you don't know. And so tonight... As he stumbles off into the corridor, my thought was, is that corridor covered in plastic bags? And are they just going <laughs> to cut that dude up on the way out, actually? Well, yeah. Now, or is says, Armand going to finish him off? Well, that's what I'm saying. Louis says that he hasn't killed since 2000. Let's take him at his word. <laughs> right. But that he doesn't say nothing about what my boyfriend does. Right. My boyfriend, <laughs> he has his own hobbies. I've learned not to yuck someone's yum, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> we also have confirmation that Joseph Potter is going to be playing Nikki. Oh, thank you. An yes, interview yes. season two. And he has the sweetest baby face. Lestat's going to ruin his life. Well, and not just baby face, but those curls, too. I kept thinking oh. those are some Armand curls, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and not only that he has been cast, but that he's going to have at least a, a few scenes in season two. So, so I yes. do think we're not just going to get some of the Armand and Lestat story. I think we might get quite a bit of, again, Armand's version of, of the Les Vampire Lestat. Yes. Yes. Very, very interesting. All right. Uh, that is going to wrap us up for tonight. Until we talk to you again, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And we are the Articulate Coven. Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends. <laughs>